You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. words. Look at verse 8. For I have given them the words which you have given me, and they have received them. They received the words that Jesus gave out to them. The Greek word here used for receive means to take hold of, to take into your heart. They received the words of Jesus from the Father. They took them into their hearts. Their hearts became a receptor for God's words. Praying, appealing to Jesus, Did you know that this is what he did for the disciples in the ancient days and what he does for you? The disciples' reactions were complete acceptance of God's words for their life. This is what Pastor Dave speaks of today. Have you received and believed what God said for your very soul? Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 17 as he continues his message. Jesus prays for his disciples. What's the key to knowing God? How do we know Him? There's only one resource book in the entire world. There's one resource book in the entire world. Go into the bookstore, and there are thousands and thousands and thousands of books on how to lose weight. Thousands and thousands and thousands of books on this, that, and the other. But there is only one true book on how to know God. And this is the book. This is the one right here that tells us how to know God. In this is God's revelation to us through Jesus Christ. The Old Testament, Christ concealed. The New Testament, Christ revealed. You see, if I develop what I feel that God must be like, then all of a sudden I think of myself as the most ideal form and I project that as God. But that's pretty short. That's way short, in fact. So I can't accept any man's understanding or revelations of God. I cannot accept any man's understanding and revelation of God because Those understandings are centered around that person's responsibility and that person's personality and their traits. It's important that I understand and the revelation of God that comes from him, comes from God himself. I'm having trouble with a situation and I need wisdom. What does the book say? Pray and ask for wisdom and God will give it to you. Anything I need in the book, it tells me what to do and how to get it. Through Jesus Christ. Most complete revelation came through Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says this. God in various times and divers spoke ways, spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days has spoken to us by his own dear son. So it's through Jesus Christ that I come to a knowledge and understanding of God. And as I come to this knowledge, and as I come to this understanding, I grow in grace. I grow in the grace of God. And as I come to the knowledge and understanding, I find that God has given me everything. He has given me everything I need for a life of godliness. He's called me to this life, and he called me to live it, and he called me to give him glory and praise for it. And I do that. So Jesus has manifested the Father perfectly to these guys. 
He manifested, teaching them that he was the one true living God, the great I am. And then he also did something which was unheard of. He taught them that God was their father, calling him heavenly father, that God was their father. This was so important that the gospel of John, the writer John, used the term father 53 times in chapters 13 through 17. John uses the name Father for God 122 times in his entire gospel. John's trying to tell us something here. In Jesus' message to the Jews, he repeatedly made it clear that the Father had sent him, that he was equal to the Father, and that the words that came out of his mouth were the Father's words. But the problem was, because he claimed this deity, the stiff-necked religious leaders would not believe him. They would not accept him. They resisted the Holy Spirit's guidance. They resisted the Holy Spirit's conviction. So Jesus says, I've manifested the Father to them. I've manifested you, Lord, to them. And then he speaks to the Father about the disciples' response to that manifestation. And that's where we are in today's message. We find that as Jesus prays to the Father, he confirms to him that those he gave him had kept his word that they have known all things were given to Jesus by him, that they received them, and that they believed them. And this is important. This is most remarkable. This is a powerful testimony about these guys. This is a very, very remarkable testimony. And it could be a remarkable testimony about you. Is Jesus saying the same thing about you today? Those ones that you've given me, they've kept your word. They've kept your word. They believe that everything that you've told me, I've told them. They believe that I've come from you. They've received your word and they believe. Can Jesus say that about you today? It's remarkable, powerful testimony. How could Jesus assert these things about these 12 guys, 11 guys? I mean, after all, let's face it, most of these guys weren't the sharpest tacks in the bunch. In fact, one commentator says this, they were mostly dull of understanding and prone to selfish ambition, unquote. Sounds like me, if you want to know the truth, dull of understanding. But yet Jesus asserts to the Father that these men accomplished these very things. He prayed, they have kept your word. Look at 6b. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. The Greek word used for kept here means to guard means to hold on to, to keep your eye on. They've kept the Father's word. And the idea is that they believe God's word, they treasured God's word, and they held God's word fast to their heart. They had also fully recognized that Jesus was the uniqueness as God's son. They recognized the fact that Jesus was God and that he was God's son. They recognized his deity. And this was extremely important. Many have said that when Jesus said these things, he was being most generous. He was being most generous saying that they have kept your word. But I think he knew for a fact. I think he knew for a fact. In fact, I can prove it. You don't have to go there. But in John 2, in John 2, verses 23 through 25, it says this. Now when he, Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. 
But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man for he knew what was in man. Jesus knows what's in man. He knows what is in a man or woman's heart. He knows that. Jesus knew that some of these people only believed him because he did various signs and wonders. He knew that their faith was thin. It was superficial. It wasn't based on anything except these signs and wonder. So Jesus didn't commit himself to them. But the disciples were different. To all the disciples, even Judas at the time, Jesus committed himself to them. He spent hours with them, speaking to them, declaring the Father's words to them. Can you imagine sitting around a campfire and listening to Jesus expound on God the Father? Can you imagine what that must have been like? What I love about this is that Jesus knows what's in each of our hearts. He knows what's in your heart even today, even right now. He knows what's in your heart. And guess what, folks? In spite of that, he still loves us. In spite of what's in your heart even now, he still loves us. Jesus knows the worst, but he also sees the image of God in each of us. Jesus looked upon me. He looked upon me, the worst of all sinners. He saw me in my darkest hour. He saw me committing my darkest deeds, and yet he loved me enough to go to a cruel Roman cross and die in my place. He loved me enough to go to a cross, hang there, and die so that I could have salvation. If you don't see love in that, folks, then we're going to have a hard time explaining it. If you can't see the love of God in that. In chapter 16, we studied when Jesus was talking to the disciples there, and they said in verse 30, Now we are sure that you know all things, and we have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. And Jesus answered and said, Do you now believe? I think Jesus understood their belief. He understood their faith. As shaky as it was, Jesus understood their faith. He knows what's in your heart today. He knows the faith that you might have. He knows the weaknesses of your faith. But he still loves you. He continues to love you and he continues to want to pull you closer to him through his words. He wants to continue to pull you closer to him. And as you learn more of him through his word, as you glean more of him through his word, as you grow in the grace and knowledge of him, you will become more like him. Things will fade away. Sins that so easily ensnared you will go away. They'll be gone. And you will continue to look to him. And people will look in your life and go, wow, there's something different because you'll be manifesting Jesus. You'll be showing them Christ. The disciples kept the Father's word. The disciples also had knowledge. Look at verse 7. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. Now they know. The disciples professed this understanding, and Jesus was satisfied that it was true. So far as possible at this stage in the game. Like I said, he knew their faith was shaky at best, but he accepted it. Is your faith shaky today? Jesus will accept your faith, as little as it may be. He will accept as little as your faith may be, and he can work with that and make that grow in your heart. He will accept it for you. I love Peter's remarks. I love Peter's remarks. After the Lord spoke about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, 
There were so many people there. It was such a crowd there. And Jesus said this, and all of them left. All of them walked away because it was a hard thing. And there was only the 12 left. And yes, Judas was there at that time. And they left. I don't think Peter truly understood what was going on either. He didn't understand the spiritual emphasis that the Lord was saying. But they loved him so much. They loved Jesus so much. And they were going to stick with him through thick and thin. And we read in chapter 6, verse 68, when Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life. He knew where life came from. He knew where life existed. It existed in the words of Jesus Christ. Do you know that today? Do you know that today? Can you say to Christ, where can I go? You have the words of life. Peter did. He made that profession. Time and time again, Jesus told the disciples that everything he said, everything he did came from the Father. Jesus was totally dependent on the Father. And I pray that the words that I speak would be the Lord's words, not my words. The last thing you need to hear is from me. What you need to hear from is God. What you need to hear from is the Holy Spirit. And I pray that I could step aside and let the Holy Spirit speak. Now, it's obvious from Scripture that the disciples didn't fully understand everything that Jesus was saying or doing. But they were convinced of his deity. And they were convinced that he came and was sent by the Father. This was a huge step of faith for them. And they only further reflects the unity between the Father and Son. They realized that the Father and Son was one. They realized Jesus' deity. So the disciples kept his word. They had known that all things were given to Jesus by the Father. And they received the Father's words. Look at verse 8. For I have given them the words which you have given me, and they have received them. They received the words that Jesus gave out to them. The Greek word here used for receive means to take hold of, to take into your heart. They received the words of Jesus from the Father. They took them into their hearts. Their hearts became a receptor for God's words. And, as I said, in Acts 17, didn't think I was going to get there, did you? In Acts 17, Dr. Luke is writing about the missionary trip to Berea in Acts 17. In Acts 17, in verse 11, Luke is writing about this. And actually, he says in 17, he says, Now, therefore, he reasoned, 1711, I'm sorry. He's talking about ministering in Berea. He said, these, talking about the Bereans, are more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. They received the word of God. They received it as it was the word of God. They realized there was something special about Paul's words, and they received them. This is what's happening here. These disciples received Jesus' words because they knew it came from God. He knew that these were holy words. These were strong words. They received the words with readiness. When Paul preached, they had open hearts. But they also received it with clear heads. Some of us have clear heads but closed hearts. And we don't receive the words with readiness. We spoke about this before. Do you come in ready to receive the word of God? 
Do you come in ready to worship the Lord in spirit and truth and then receive anything that God might want to say to you? Are you ready to receive it? The disciples were willing to hear it, and they grasped the meaning of it. They didn't shut their eyes against the light. They allowed the Holy Spirit to be their guide into the truth about who Jesus really was. They didn't pick quarrels about the word. They didn't find fault. They welcomed it as it was, the true word of God. Receiving the word of God is so important in our lives. So important. So Jesus prays to the Father and says, the men given to him kept the word. They had knowledge that Jesus came from God. They received the word and finally... They believed. Look at the end of verse 8. For I have given them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. They believed. Obviously, the word believe means to place their faith in. They placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And I love Jesus' reaction. Do you now believe? Jesus never doubted their faith. He knows what was in their heart. He also knows that very soon after their faith is going to be severely tested. He knew the test that lay ahead. And I love what he said to Peter. Remember in Luke's gospel, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, Simon Peter, Satan has asked for you. He would like to sift you as wheat. Can you imagine hearing that from the Lord? Did Simon Peter look at him and go, humana, 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 humana. What did Simon Peter say at that time? But right after that, right after that, Jesus says, but when you return, feed my sheep. When you return. See, the Lord knew that although Simon Peter's faith was going to be shaken to rock bottom, he knew that he would be down and out for the count. He knew that he would just fall flat on his face. He knew he would return. He knew he would return. Does he know that about you? When you reach that breaking point, and maybe even you break, does he know you'll return? Does he look at you and go, it's okay. I know you'll be back. I know you'll return to me because I still love you. Even in the midst of your falling right now, I love you. I'm there to pick you up. I'm there to pick you up and dust you off and tell you how much I love you. I'm there to pick you up and dust you off and go, look, I did that for you. Buckle up, buttercup. Come on. Get with the program. He's there for you. Always. What happened after the resurrection? What happened after Jesus' ascension? What happened after the day of Pentecost? Man, you see these guys. They're on fire. They're on fire for the Lord. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues. 3,000 people get saved the very first day. The next time, 5,000 more are added. People are being added to the church daily because they're living a life that Christ has given them, and they're manifesting Christ in that life. And they're showing all these things because of the faith they have. And look, at, look back on them. Peter fell, hit the dirt with his nose down. But God raised him up. Because on that first day, who did the preaching? Peter. God's not done with you. Don't ever think God is done with you. When you see him face to face, know that he's done with you. He's not done with any of you. Let me ask you, do you keep God's word close to your heart? 
Do you keep it close? Is God's word special to you? Do you think God's word is precious? Is it a precious treasure? I know someone, not me, but I know someone who won't even put this book on the floor. I'm not making an edict, thou shalt not put the book. No, I'm not making that. But I do know someone who values this book so much that they will not lay it on the floor. What an example of loving the word of God that much, of understanding exactly what that is and how much it means to us. Do you love the word of God like that? This is not just some book. This is not just some book lying on a shelf. It's the true, inerrant, infallible word of God. God breathed onto these pages and they came alive. It is a living book. A living book. When it's taught by whomever, when it's taught, do you receive it as it is the word of God? Do you receive it into your heart? Let it do what it needs to do in your life and make the changes necessary that the word tells you to make? Do you receive it that way? Or is it just, yeah, that's a good story. Always drives me crazy when we come across various stories that are well known, like the woman at the well or the woman caught in adultery or other stories that were well known or even in the Old Testament, the story of Jonah, the story of Samson. You know, we come across these stories when we teach the Word of God. And way too often, people will go, yeah, I've heard that before. I know that story. Well, that's no way to accept the Word of God because it's new every morning. It's new every time. Every time you read it, you should get something different out of it. And it talks to your heart and shows you a different thing. Why? Because it's alive. And it's important for right now. What you read three years ago about the story of Jonah, I can guarantee that if you look at that story now, study it as hard as you can, God will show you something different. And it'll apply directly to your life right now. Is that how you receive the word of God? Do you come in, I can't wait to hear what God has to say to me now. Do you come in expecting we pray, Lord, show us something special. Show us something real. And he never fails. He never disappoints us. That's the way it should be anytime you hear the word of God taught. It should be a time of revelation. And finally, do you believe in all your heart that Jesus is the Son of God? That Jesus is God? That Jesus was God in the flesh? that he died on a cruel Roman cross for your sins? And do you believe that God raised him on the third day? Do you believe that he had now ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father? And that soon and very soon he will he return? Do you believe that with all your heart? This is our call. Where do we learn that at? Right here. We learn that right here. We learn that right here. As God pours his heart out right here and we read it and let it come into our heart and do what it needs to do in our heart. Maybe you're at a hard place today. Maybe you're at a difficult place today. Maybe you need to repair some things. You are a sure The Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. 
Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as, I am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at AssureHopeRadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's Word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on Assure Hope.